And uh, welcome to What Divines Us. I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. I am Reverend Matthew Schultz. And here we are. So, Matt, I have a surprise for you. <gasps> Guess what? What? Do you know how at the end of the podcast, for those listeners that make it that far, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I I always thank James Brown for our, our logo. Yes. Right? Well, James Brown won an award what? for that logo. No way! Yeah, That's he won awesome. won a design award for it. Cool. So, I, I don't know how to word this, but I feel like our podcast is now a uh, award-winning logo <laughs> Podcast? No, see, we don't have to get that specific. I oh, yeah. think we just call it award-winning podcast. We, really? It doesn't matter that you and I didn't didn't do the <laughs> didn't work. Actually, yeah. work to win that award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we just claim claim the title, and that's going to literally that will triple the money we make from this. Triple? I think it'll quadruple the money. We I make. think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's awesome though. Congratulations to James Brown. It is a great logo, and that's well deserved. Yeah. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. So I thought nice. that was really fun. Yeah. All right, just wanted to give you that, start out the podcast that way. Yeah, that's great news. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, and so uh, we're going to move on to something else real quickly. Um, I have actually, uh, so it turns out, Matt, that Mm -hmm. we have rabbis that listen to this podcast. Nifty. Which is great. Um, And these rabbis have no problem telling me when I get something wrong, which honestly (laughs) I I, I love. Like, you know, I think it's important to take feedback gracefully and to use it. It makes you a better person. So um, I had a couple of rabbis contact me about our conversation you and I had about your mom's question about... Um, yes. what, what is it to be Jewish? Right, right. Right. And so I mentioned something called patrilineal descent, uh-huh. which is essentially the reform movement, which is a move- I thought you said matrilinear descent. Right, oh, right, okay. right. Correct. Okay. So, but, uh, so traditional Judaism says you're Jewish from your mom. Okay. Right. We talked a little bit about that last, during our last podcast, that mm-hmm. like, you know, um, that's how Judaism comes down the line through right. your mom. And then the reform movement said, no, 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 you know, through your, it can also come through your dad, patrilineal descent as well. Okay. Right. And so if, if your dad's Jewish and so are you. But what I what, what I neglected to mention was that in that same statement, which, by the way, was came out in 1983, okay. in the Reform Movement, they also said that essentially your parents, one of your parents has to also be practicing, has to identify themselves uh, okay. as Jewish for uh-huh. it to really count gotcha. in the Reform Movement. And that part I neglected to say uh, last time we talked about this. Yeah. Um, and so not everyone actually we realizes that or follows that. I myself kind of forgot about it, which is why I didn't mention it. Um, yeah. But that's an important component of, of this change is that it's not just, oh, if your father's Jewish accounts, it's, oh, if, you, if you're in like a, if, if your parents are mixed, right? When your parents are Jewish or not Jewish, uh-huh. your Jewish parent needs to identify and, and essentially be, practice Judaism. Gotcha. For it to really count as you being okay. Jewish. Okay, cool. You know, yeah. a, a few thoughts about that. One is, it's funny to hear the phrase, does it count? I was raised Catholic, and sometimes we would have the conversation, if we were already so late to church that we were going to show up after it was more than halfway over, that that was the conversation. Well, count? is it going to count? <laughs> <laughs> as if as if the priest was, like, you know, checking us off, uh-huh. like, you haven't well, made it. Well, God's checking you off. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be a funny conversation someday. What counts and what, what doesn't? Like, and who yeah. decides? Uh, but but the other thought about that is how nice it is to get that correction from rabbis. So uh, appreciate yeah, that. I yeah, really, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to more corrections as I get more things wrong. Yeah, tell us where we're <laughs> wrong, everybody. That's yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. So there you go. Those are uh, That was one quick thing I wanted to say at the top of the podcast. Um, but now let's get into it. So we want to talk about the church and state. Or the synagogue and state, I suppose. Yeah, you know, the phrase is separation of church and state. It is. They let let you bozos off with no problem. I know. I feel a little bit like a bozo now. (laughs) I I never thought of it like that before, but you're right. That is a very Christocentric 
phrase, which I've never noticed before, is 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 very. What would be the replacement phrase for church and state? Uh, Faith. Faith and state. state? Faith Uh, and state. I don't know. There's a nice little ring to it, I guess. Faith and state. Mythos and logos. Oh my god. (laughs) No, that doesn't work anyway. There's a different word for law. I'm sure that's more applicable, but. Anyway, yeah, I don't know, but, but for for you know for the ease of conversation, church and state is a topic that I feel like it's always pretty salient, but yeah. it's 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 really popping up a lot these days. Well, there's there's this thing about separating it, right? Separating church and state. That's the go-to, yeah, <laughs> for our country. That's supposed to be the idea. I'm I'm super fan of that, right? Like I I, I like the idea of separating church and state. Yeah. I've always been into that. You know who's not is the Spanish Inquisition. Which no one expects. Exactly. That's why I said it that way. It's a surprise. Gotcha, everybody. And, and, anyways, my Python jokes beside. Uh, what, what, um, so let's talk a little bit about what that is. So, so separation of church and state, what does, that, what does that mean for, say, like the USA? Oh, boy. That's the kind of question that would take us days to answer, well, well, right? I, and so, Well, like, sure, we can get into the minutia politics of it right now, but ideally, yeah. like, the founders... Or well, I don't go to the founders because, okay. honestly, cool. so many of them were knuckleheads, and they were saying Whoa. things like, we are a great Christian nation. Hang on a sec. I need to go, you know, do something with my slaves. Uh, so yeah. I find it There's hard like to look to them for for... Guidance on virtue, unless you put a whole lot of asterisks. How do you pluralize asterisk? Asterisks. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Asterses. Yeah. Uh, you know, I. Th- you always have to to add a whole lot of context around that. So what they meant about it may be one thing. My go-to guidepost would be. Uh, statement Martin Luther King Jr. made, which was along the lines of the church is neither the master of the state nor the servant of the state. The church is the conscience of the state. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I presume would apply to synagogues as well, particularly in how he would have meant it. And so I think that's a good guidepost for me. I am never going to control what the law is, nor does the law necessarily control what my theology is. Now, it can control where my actions meet their boundaries. But it's not going to control what our beliefs and religious practices are. Hmm. But so, like a lawyer, how would a lawyer you think define the separation of church and state? Oh, I have no idea. That's that's outside of my area of expertise, of course. Um, yeah, but you and I, we do things to, to you know. To, I would guess that they would say that it uh, largely would depend on how it impacts. I, I think that's motivation. Faith is motivation, and they would focus more on the actions and the impacts and how those actions actually take place in well, the world. Sure, and I know like one one great example is schools, right? You know, uh-huh. federally funded schools. You're not supposed to have any particular mm-hmm. religion as like an official component of that school. Right. Right. Uh, you know, there are some, of course, debates about this, especially with the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Um, but the idea being that you separate church and state, that since it's, since the school since is it's a, federally funded yeah. and, and state funded or it could yeah. be state level. Yeah, yeah. That therefore you can't put in an implicit bias toward or against any particular religion. Which is why I agree we shouldn't be saying under God in schools because not every religion believes in a God or not every person has a religion, right? And yeah. and so if yeah. someone comes in and they say, Well my Religious tradition would have a saying under gods. Oh, boy. Right? If, right? if you come from a polytheistic religion, suddenly the Pledge of Allegiance excludes you. Or a non-theistic religion, or if you're an atheist. Those people are all excluded when the teacher says, everyone stand and recite this statement, which includes within it a very 
I, I mean, in, in the Shema, that's one of the, boom, bedrock principles. Look at you. Right? Yeah, the Shema. <laughs> Princeton Theological Seminary, my friends. <laughs> uh, so, so the Lord your God is one. That's, I would say Adonai, your God is one. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yes, that's of course. Because I've got like you know, I'm well, there's all about my being, yeah, yeah, non-gendered in my language. But yes, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. All that to say, though, it's a it's very much a theological statement and one that excludes a lot of the world, if not most of the world, to say one nation under God. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't, I don't know. I like the Pledge of Allegiance. I think we talked about this before, though, right? We I think we did talk about yeah, this before. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, not, we don't need to get into it again. But, but, but as far as church and state goes, that's an example of the state presenting a theological statement as as standardized, and it shouldn't do that. Right. right. And similarly, I wouldn't I wouldn't push that on the state. Now, that having been said, you and I do a lot of political action. Sure. We take part in a lot of things in which we are attempting to have the state behave in a certain way. And I think that's conscious to be that conscience. Yeah. Yeah, You can't be a conscience if you're silent and you can't be heard in what you're saying if you don't have ongoing relationships with the people making those choices and activity within these groups. You can't just show up one day and say, I want to impact the system, right? That takes decades to set up. Right. So so, yeah, as progressive clergy, we're really both in the civic engagement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I hear, uh, when, when a lot of people say separation of church and state, the context in which I hear that the most, it's actually a person who disagrees with me on that particular issue. Really? I never, ever have shown up to support somebody and say the church believes this is good and had those same people say to me, hey, separation of church and state. They only say it when I disagree with them. And that's on both sides of the political spectrum. So you're saying that, like, as soon as people feel that, like, Faith is, or that the church, just religion, yeah. is stepping outside of its bounds that they think is important, right. their boundaries, and suddenly for them, church and state becomes uh, an important yeah. factor. If I support the Republican side on an issue, the Democrats say to me, hey, separation of church and state. Yeah. Flip flop it, it's exactly the same. If I'm supporting the Democratic side, then the Republicans say, hey, back off. That's not your role, preacher. I have no, it's just something similar but different. I have no people will say, that's socialism without really understanding what that term means, right? Like Same kind of thing. Yeah, they, yeah, they'll say separation of church and state without realizing that they, they're not saying what they think they're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like a blanket defense. Well, it gets back to my overarching principle, which is people are mostly stupid. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's really funny because I have the exact opposite. I believe I'm joking. No, oh, I don't. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. I believe people are most are really smart. Yeah. And, like, and, yeah. and they're using what tools they have in their toolbox at, all the time. Me too. I just felt cynical because I haven't eaten yet today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we should have another podcast called The Hangry Pastor. <laughs> one of those moments where like you know clergy are people too that's right there's a banana in my car I'm gonna go eat that and come back and it's gonna be all sunshine for real um, if you wanna get that banana we can pause the no no I'm good <laughs> Okay, I, I'm gonna let it freeze over time, and then I'll, it'll be more <laughs> delicious. Yeah. Okay, so so but okay, there's something else. There's even like a more like nuanced thing I want to talk about, and that is that like you know my synagogue, your church, we have we we have a 501c3 tax exempt status. Yes. Right? Yeah. 
And so just like any organization with a 501c3 tax exempt status, that makes us like a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We have to follow certain rules yeah. because of nonprofit. Now, what those rules we follow, if we don't follow them, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing something illegal. It just means we, we are risking that tax exempt status and we yes. can lose it yeah. if we're caught doing something that yeah. goes against it. And two it. things about that. One is that how often these rules break down to money. Sure, which sure. Is that, I don't like this race, but... It is what it is. Yeah. I, I can't change that, and I'm and and then so the second part of that is that I know that I'm treading on ground on which I am very ill educated. Well, I have, right? a bit of, I have a bit of education here. This is Great, I'll follow about. your lead there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Teach cool. me things. All now. right. So, so uh, something that's interesting is that religions uh, follow a, a kind of a different five hundred one c three exempt tax exempt status and say like a, a non religious non um, profit. So if you're an, if you're just like a regular great non profit that hasn't that's not religious. Yeah. I don't know if I have to think of one. Maybe like the food bank. United or, Way or something. United Way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you have to uh, record like your income, essentially, and then yeah. you have to publish it, right, as part of that status. Yeah. As re- religions do not. Okay. We do not have to report our income. Gotcha. That's that's a big deal. Okay. Right. And let me, just some context also yeah. for our uh, listeners here, that within my tradition, and it might be the same for you, we have a separate board of elected members of the church who handle the church finances yeah and a separate person who is appointed an uh, a uh, bookkeeper yeah in addition to that we have a separate committee independent of both of those that's the audit committee and they go through and make sure that those first two groups of people or individuals are doing everything properly and all of this does get reported to the IRS different denominations and even different congregations within the denomination the pastor will be involved in that to different levels based on their expertise or comfort level or what they think is appropriate. Yeah. My particular congregation, I stay way out of it for both reasons. Number one, I feel I am not qualified. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, I think it's healthy for a certain level of division of powers. And I have witnessed firsthand pastors who manipulate in a negative yeah. way. And so yeah. I stay out of it. And the third aspect of that is I'm real lucky. The people who are doing it in my church are both extraordinarily qualified and extraordinarily trustworthy. So so I'm real lucky on that. Well, I mean, you sound really lucky because I don't think so many churches have such exactly. great, great triggers involved with managing the money and the resources yeah. of the church. That sounds, that sounds impressive. We're, we're very lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we have something, I don't think we have something as intense as you do, but something okay. similar. I don't handle the money at all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I have an executive director and mm-hmm. I have a, a board and a treasurer. They all... That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, that we yeah, don't have yeah, to be hands-on yeah. with that. But my point is, is that even if you report that to the IRS, you don't have to make it public. Right, you don't have to. Right, no, right. people can't go and, and it's called an I nine ninety. Yeah, a nine ninety, and they have to and they have to go and it's like a public document. Anyone can go and look, look them up. And that includes who the donors are, right? Uh, Does it? No, it doesn't no? necessarily okay. have to include donors. I don't think gotcha. so. This okay. is where someone could talk, you know, tell us later and correct us. Right, right. Off our yeah. correction later. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it does. But it does uh, say this is how much mm-hmm. you know. This is uh, how much we made this year, and, yeah. and, and and some other information too. We don't have to publish that. Yeah. As a religious, when I say we, I mean religious organizations mm-hmm. who have a five hundred one c three tax exempt status, don't have to publish what they make. Okay. To the to any kind of so that any kind of average person can look it up. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's special. We have a special thing. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But we also have rules that we have to follow yeah. or we lose it. Right. Right? And so one of the rules we have to follow is called the Johnson Amendment. Now, all nonprofits have to follow the Johnson Amendment. Right. And the Johnson Amendment is that we can't support a candidate, a political candidate, mm-hmm. from our pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you and I have a different interpretation of <laughs> what that yeah, means. Yeah, I, I like. don't want to act like I'm yeah. opposed to it entirely because yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I think I think 99% of the time it's a good idea. And and again, I think that that other one percent of the time, I think I still think it's a good idea. I'm just willing to break the law at that moment. So so the the <laughs> great on, example, the Matt yeah. Wilner, Pastor Pastor yeah. Matt Schultz, willing to break the law. <laughs> Watch out, everyone! The extreme example yeah. that you know, which of course it's always silly to say. Well, what about Hitler, right? Because that's always such an extreme thing. But within Lutheranism, Wait, what do you mean about Hitler. Like whenever you're talking about like taking an example to its extreme, you always okay. go to Nazis, and oh, it's such an extreme that people shut their ears to it. Oh, yeah, that's that's a there's like even a law. What is it? Goodwin's law online. I think I pronounced that right. That that as soon as you bring up Hitler as an example, you've lost the argument because you're just trying to go to such an absurd extreme. You're you're out of your depth. Oh, have I done this before? Shoot, yeah, I even everybody done has, before. but in this case, okay. it's appropriate because I'm not really talking about Hitler. I'm talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a Lutheran theologian and pastor who stood up against Hitler because Hitler declared that the the Führer is the head of the church. Sure. And he said, "No, sir, that's only Jesus always, and the church for for the state to do that is fully inappropriate." So we say no to the Nazis. And this guy was in Germany at the time. He was, and he got thrown in prison for it. And oh. there's a whole lot of fascinating stuff that happened afterwards. We'll do that some oh, other that's time. That's an amazing podcast idea. Yeah. Point <laughs> being, though, he he broke the law. Yeah. He didn't try to say, it's not against the law for me to say, screw off Hitler. He said it anyway, even yeah. though it was against the law. So How brave. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's a hero in a lot of ways. But um, so when I'm saying, like, there are times I disagree with the Johnson Amendment. I'm not saying I disagree that it should be the law. I'm just saying there are going to be times where I give that law the finger. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The index finger, I want? Yes, I'll raise my, my index finger as if pontificating. <laughs> Uh, but no, I just I think that like so like for me like the Johnson Amendment like I, I guess part of the problem, uh, Matt, is that I'm the only Reform Rabbi in all of Alaska. Right. right. So it's it's pretty easy to connect me to my pulpit. Yeah. At any given moment. So mm-hmm. even on my own personal Facebook page, which I don't, which I hardly use, um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't ever give, I don't ever support like a candidate or anything like that, um, just because I. I don't want it. I'm so connected to this community um, right. as being the the singular reform rabbi of the state. Uh-huh. And so I think like a very broad like view of the Johnson Amendment. Okay. Um, and so I try. I, I work hard not like t- not to support any candidate, which is which is complicated too. But but again, I hear I hear what you're saying is yeah. it's not you're not following that law based on what you think the legal impact is on the state. You're following that law because you feel it's your way to best serve your congregation. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I and I would yeah. agree. There yeah. are times in the uh, you know 2016 and 2020 in particular it was no secret at all anywhere that I fully opposed Donald Trump, mm-hmm. right? But I never said that from the pulpit. Sure. And sure. that's difficult. That's biting my tongue. Um but to say that he is akin to what Bonhoeffer faced with Hitler would be false, sure, right? That would sure. be that would be exploding so my experience too much. And it, even though it was literally a matter of life and death for many, and it was probably I would say the closest I've ever come to that line of having an elected official that I think is is so harmful that I would consider doing that. I still didn't because I didn't feel it was appropriate yet. But again, that's based on how I feel I can best serve my congregation, not based on what the law told me to do. 
Yeah, but I, I feel like I'm, I feel like in the, in the best of you get the you can try to line them all up, right? Yeah. So yeah. like uh-huh. like you following the law and you're serving the congregation. You're, you're doing right, you're right. doing it all. You're doing great. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we all have that line somewhere. Um, yeah. And 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 here's the weird thing: you can break that law entirely without breaking that law, and you can follow that law while breaking it at the same time. So for example, there are Catholic churches out there right now saying. That they would refuse Joe Biden communion. Yes, it's famous because like he, right, news, right, yeah. And, and so the Pope supported him. Oh my gosh, supported Biden. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. That's so that's pretty big, right? But those individual priests and many other clergy and many different roles will do something along those lines of saying, "You, it would be evil to vote for any candidate who supports such and such a policy." Abortion is the big one, right? But right. it can be for any number of things. That is fully legal to support a policy from the pulpit, yes, according yes, to the Johnson Act. Yes. So from my pulpit, I supported the increase in the minimum wage. Yeah. And it was a test. I did it intentionally for that issue because we knew that it had something along the lines of 75% support statewide yeah. and 90% support within my congregation. So like, right, here's a nice little test water. We'll try something yeah. on, on something we largely agree on. Anyway. But that's legal. So you can, can go out absolutely there. absolutely support issues. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And also then you can say, and therefore... It would be unethical to vote for any candidate that opposes this issue. Ooh. Ooh. And you haven't Whoa. mentioned a candidate's name, and so you more or less are doing it. You can also invite candidates to speak, which— You can't? I don't think you can. Churches do it here in town all the time. We don't, we don't ever do it. Like, we do we like, don't either. We do no. a candidate check. We, if, a, if a politician does come to speak to us, we have to say to ourselves, <laughs> this politician— Running for office right now, because mm-hmm. um, sometimes we kind of forget. And right. So, and we've had separate forums where we invited the assembly members to come speak, and we did that regardless of party. We said, yeah. "Hey, all." Uh, well, yeah. I, I think we invited the ones that were within our church building's district. Right. 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 And so they came, and it was nonpartisan, and so that's fine. But you're you're allowed to say so many things. I, uh, one man came into my church and said he left his church because the pastor in 2016 said, you can vote forever, whoever you want to, but there is one candidate who's not so good, and I hope you don't vote for her. Yeah. So there you go. He used one pronoun and endorsed a candidate, but you can't hold him to that legally, probably, and well, no one's ever going to try. Remember, so, just remember, also, it's not about legality. It's about losing your tax-exempt status. Right, but I guess a, a law that's never enforced isn't really a law. And so there is, there are many churches here in town that not only do the sneaky kind of endorsement, like I just mentioned, but they just overtly say it. I mean, they just come right out and I say mean, it. And so that's yeah. breaking the law, but there are no consequences. It's like it's like speeding on the highway. Uh, yeah, that, you're right. There's a problem, right? Yeah, like, it is. how do we enforce for, enforce this? I mean, the IRS mm-hmm. is supposed to enforce this. Yep. Uh, and I guess you can complain. You can you can lodge complaints to the mm-hmm. IRS of any. Organization that you see flaunting sort of yeah. their five hundred one c three tax exempt status, mm-hmm. uh, but besides that, I, yeah, I don't know what other recourse is available. Yeah, there. very little, and no elected official is going to be quick to say, "Let's go after the churches," right? Because that's going to be such a, a public kerfuffle. Pardon my French. <laughs> is kerfuffle French? <laughs> it is. It really is. There's an old saying. I think it might go back to you know the late seventeen hundreds. Uh, the power to tax is the power to control. Uh-huh. And that's why we have the separation of church and state in many ways and why we're tax exempt in many ways. It's not the only reasons, but it's some of the stuff that if the if the state is enforcing the Johnson Amendment, for example, or other forms of tax law on churches and synagogues, they can do so with discretion. They can choose, all right, we're going to enforce, 
and there's a thousand complaints, but we only have the manpower to enforce, to really investigate a hundred of those thousand. They can then say, all right, we're going to choose these 100. And those 100 just happen to all be liberal Democrats, or they just all happen to be conservative Republicans. And so then by the application of law enforcement, they're choosing which churches are saying what. bias. Yeah. And yeah. so to, to be more hands off, even though it, it you know makes the law toothless, it also in some ways allows for the freedom of religion to be more fully expressed. So it's a, it's a, it's a complicated and difficult law to really, to really grasp. It's, what, it makes me feel like a little bit of a chump. You know, trying to you know, working so hard to, to try to follow it. You know, right? I, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're the one driving the speed limit, and you're getting yeah. passed on all sides, and you're like, "Dudes, I'm the one doing the right thing here." Yeah. It's icy. Yeah. You know, I guess you're. You know what? My big takeaway: being the conscious of of the state uh-huh. is hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you know, sure. You know, yeah. we, we don't take shortcuts on things. We yeah. do things that we're, the way that we're supposed to do them. And I feel like sometimes you, you know we get taken uh, advantage of because. Yeah. Of it. And do you ever feel? Maybe I'm going off in the weeds here, but do you ever feel like you're completely insane <laughs> because I know that the smart thing to do is to shut my mouth about this issue uh-huh. and I just know that I can't. And it's like compulsive behavior and I'm just unable to remain silent about it. And those are the times where I think about the Old Testament prophets. And right, I apologize right. if the phrase Old Testament is is inappropriate. You can say Tanakh, too. I mean, Tanakh, I'll about, try. Yeah. How about you say Old Testament, and then I'll say Tanakh. Yeah. And then we're doing it. Right? Each time. Yeah. Each, yeah. Time, each I time I say it. Just yeah, like, yeah. Tanakh! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think of those uh, prophets who spoke what they spoke and very, very frequently ended up just downright punished on an earthly level. I mean, let's, let's be frank. Like, like Isaiah, for example, a little bit annoying. What every, you know, People are a little bit annoyed by yeah. the constant. Just but that's also on. true for us. <laughs> we annoy people like mad. I annoy myself. <laughs> and, and when I'm saying to these things, sometimes I'm thinking to myself, would you just shut up? Oh, my gosh. To Please. Yourself? Yeah, I say oh, it to myself yeah. all the oh, time. Yeah. And not only because I've said this a thousand times, but also because I know I'm going to get blowback on this. Yeah, yeah. But it's true, and it's kind, and I can't not say it. Sure. And so, uh, uh, man, I don't know what brought me here. But, yeah, the Johnson Amendment is one thing. But in the end, our bizarre, insane compulsion comes from our theology, not from the law. It's God that makes us crazy. I guess, you know, I feel like, you know— I feel kinship to all clergy, you know, not just yeah. not just like cler- progressive clergy, like kind of like what we mm-hmm. call ourselves, but all clergy. But I also feel like clergy can mess it up for for yeah, us too. Yeah. You know, for example, you, you, the Catholic Church and the priests who who are you know who've been mm-hmm. <laughs> committing atrocities for, for towards young people uh, for yeah. so long. Right. That, that hurts us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whenever I, I have a young person in my office, I never keep my door closed. Same. I always keep it yeah. open. We actually have a very well written safety policy yes. that forbids me from closing my door. Right, right. Now, even if we didn't, I would make probably those same choices, but it's 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 our law of the church. And yeah. I feel like those clergy kind of kind of messed it up. Yes. So that we have to you and I have to be extra careful mm-hmm. um, when working uh, with our young with our young congregants. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and so but that's the same thing here. Like I feel like other I clergy feel, have messed like, up this yeah, this I process. Feel like when yeah. clergy uh-huh. flout this flout this sort of this idea of go, trying to get around mm-hmm. the 501c tax exempt status, they make all clergy look bad exactly. in the process. Yeah. You know, just, you know, for a local example, Jerry Prevo, right, who is now the president of Liberty University. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's yeah. president. I think they might call him the Grand Poobah. Oh, gosh. But anyway, so he's <laughs> he's famous here in Alaska. I mean, I mean, he started in yeah. uh, Anchorage Baptist Temple, which is a huge which is a huge church here in Anchorage. But yeah. he went off to become the, you know, the running Liberty University of a big Christian college. Uh-huh. And uh, and he himself is quoted saying, I figured out how to get around the 501c3 tax exempt status when I was the head pastor right. over it. So I here, wish he had in had the integrity to just say, here's the law, I'm going to follow it. And here's where I chose to break that law. Yeah. Don't be such a, a coward as to say, oh, I found a way to sneak around it. But I, I, found, it, I found it harmful for all clerks. Right, exactly. Right, because yeah. now maybe people think that all of us are trying to right. find our way around it. Right, when many of us, like you and I, like I, I embrace it. You know, mm-hmm. I say this is this is the this is what these are the rules. These yeah. are the rules. And if I break that rule by choice of my own conscience, then I'll pay the penalty that the law sh- says is fit for it. I'm not going to not break it, but then I'll say, yeah, I broke the law and put me in jail or fine me or whatever. Remember, they're not going to put you in jail, Matt. This is this is right. all about your. It's all about my taxes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I that's like a good point. To go to jail. I, that's that's the well, vibe I'm getting. At this point, I think it might be the only way I could get a full night's sleep. Yeah, it's, I, I, like, I, I love it if like you go to the IRS building and you say, "I just broke the Johnson Amendment. Lock me up, <laughs> IRS. Give they me would, some handcuffs." They would laugh so hard. At us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no, really. I literally called. Like for them to to tear down the U.S. government, and they're like, "Get in line! You're like the hundredth person today." Right, right. <laughs> the previous president did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so, so, anyways, there. So that's so you know that's a. I guess we're just still scratching the surface of, yeah, of church yeah. and state. And as you can tell, Matt and I have strong feelings about this one. Uh, is there anything else that you want to contribute to this uh, to, the, to this this conversation? I don't. Church? I don't know that you could say I've contributed anything so far, but. <laughs> Um, you know, I did have guidance from another pastor uh, who was approaching retirement just as I was starting out, and this topic came up a bit. Um, I think he had read something I wrote in the paper, and the advice he gave me was when you're when you're talking about issues like this in various forums, maybe it's in the pulpit, maybe it's out at a public forum thing. Perhaps a podcast. Perhaps a podcast. Yeah. He said um, that for his congregation, the way it works is he says, I speak to the people, not for the people. Okay. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, if I'm out there in the community, and this man was African-American, and he said, if I were to say, for example, Black Lives Matter, I'm saying that for myself, mm-hmm. and I'm speaking to my church. Even though I'm out in the city, I'm speaking to my church and speaking to the city that I, as a person who is ordained and studied up in spiritual matters, that's my that's my assertion. I'm not saying, for example, my entire congregation believes this. Oh. There he'd be speaking for the people, and that's going to fracture your church on any given issue because not everyone agrees. Right? Sure. And so, Especially in a synagogue. Oh, my goodness. Right. And so when I write stuff for the paper, I frequently will either say Reverend Matt Schultz is part of Christians for Equality sure, because that's much more and pigeonhole. for listeners, Christians for Equality. Yeah. That? We'll it's a that. local group of troublemakers that are actively trying to get ourselves arrested and or just run out of town. I'm also like a token <laughs> member of Christians for Equality, which I love. Not a token at all. Do you know that? You know the history of this? Yeah. Oh, with my, my predecessor, Rabbi Your predecessor, Oloth. Rabbi yeah. Michael yeah. Oloth, yeah. Uh, because they said, let's call it like faith leaders for equality. Uh-huh. And Rabbi Michael said, no, you need to reclaim the word Christian from those that have sought to turn it into a weapon of exclusion. Yeah. And so it stays Christian, even though we have non-Christian members. So myself included. Yeah. 
anyway, so all that to say, when I write things in the paper, I'll either say I'm a Christian for equality, or it will say is is a pastor in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. I don't mention my church because I'm not writing those articles on their behalf. Um, even though part of my calling at that church, they said, is we want you to be active in the community. But they never said, for example, write stuff in the newspaper. You know, that's that's kind of up yeah. to us to figure out together. Yeah. But when I'm writing, I, I can almost guarantee you everything I've written in the paper, there's at least one person in my church that disagrees with me. That's just that's just human nature. So, so I'm not speaking for all of them. I'm speaking to them just like with a sermon. That's weird. I'm just now thinking about all of my like op eds I've written. Yeah, I'm pretty. I think I've made this mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's a small nuance, but it really does matter. Um, that that now, and I've had conversations with the people in my church that disagree with me the most, and I say this is why I don't put the church name on there because you, disagreeing person, you're. You're, you're part of the you're church. You're valuable, too. You're just as much a part yeah. of the church as I am, and yeah. you matter, and your opinion matters, and I'm not going to say that you agree with me. That no, That's not right. Fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Anything else you want to contribute to uh, uh, to church and state? Uh, I think, personally, I should be the theocratic dictator of the United States of America, and I'm proud to announce my candidacy today. A theocratic dictator. Yeah. Is there another example of one of those? You can give no, me? no, I'm the first you're in the history. <laughs> <laughs> we we vote for you because you're. You don't have to vote. I prefer to just be anointed. Oh. <laughs> We're really just sort of flaunting church and state. I'm gonna crown myself like uh, like Napoleon did. Are you familiar with that little story? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's one of my favorites. What a baller move by Napoleon. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if one takeaway from today's podcast. Napoleon was a tough dude. <laughs> Would you be like Pope of like the the U.S.? Is that what you're trying? To yeah, go I'm with? working out the details. I have a I have a team of lawyers and sycophants who are out there like trying to help me figure out how, how to, how how to, to flaunt, rise to power. How to flaunt church and state like as best as possible. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to to yeah. really offend all sensibilities at once. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> once again, I think you should now go to the IRS and be like, arrest yeah. me now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I think we finished up with that. And now, Matt, you have something that you want to talk about, which I have no idea what it's going to yeah, be. So I have we a go. weird, weird thing that happened to me that you're aware of that oh. is silly and ridiculous, which is on Halloween every year. I have a big, big basket, which has a Halloween jack-o'-lantern pattern on it, and we fill it with all the regular miniature-sized uh-huh, candies. Uh-huh. And we tell the kids, just take your pick, whatever you like, and they come up and they'll grab the candy thing of their... Of their choosing. The only thing we'll ever say is maybe just take one or two because we get a lot of kids in our. Do you really? You're a big. You're a big neighborhood. Tons yeah. more trick or treat in the heat, which happens a month early yeah, here in Alaska. It's a, cool it's a yeah. great fundraiser, yeah. and it uh, and it happens before the kids have to wear a parka over their costume. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. So trick or treat in the in the heat is really valuable because. October 30th is traditionally pretty cold here in Alaska. Often winter, often with real snow on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So there's this cool program where you do it a month earlier uh, with mm-hmm. a little bit warmer. And a bit more sunlight, so it's safer for the yeah, kids. Yeah. It's, it's going to allow us. And it functions as a fundraiser, I believe, for young people with cancer and their families to get the care and support they need. Beautiful. I beautiful. think that's the cause it usually goes to. So yeah. it's a great thing. Now, this year got canceled because of COVID, and so Halloween was a thing. So it was a bigger Halloween than usual, tons of candy. But as I have for the last several years, maybe five or so, right in the center and right on top of all that candy in the great big wide bowl is one single potato. 
Uh, like a Yukon, like what? I kind prefer of, uh, the the big brown uh, roaster, uh, the baking potatoes. I think that's the russet, right? Yeah, the I, russet potato. I, yeah. I, I'm not good with names, so I forget. <laughs> if it's, if it's, <laughs> but typically, I go for the big brown because that's the iconic potato, right? Uh-huh. If you were to draw a cartoon of a potato, that's the one you would draw, not the little round golden ones. Come on, so come on, get though. serious, potato. <laughs> so one potato in there. I did it one year just because I thought it was funny. And guess what? I was right. But what I did not expect was how many kids would choose potato. How many potatoes do you do you have just one on top? This year, yeah, yeah. One at a, bunch, a time. But you have one. One at a time. So, so there's yeah. this whole amazing array of candy. Uh-huh. Every type of candy uh, the typical kid would want. You can yeah. choose your... You don't do full bars, do you? No, we're not rich. Okay. But <laughs> come on. No, our neighbors do that. They're not rich either. But our neighbors do that, and it's awesome. They have yeah. them on a big platter. They present uh-huh. Nicely, it's really cool. It's really fun. Anyway, our house just the miniatures, fun size, which are the least fun, but it's uh, you know all the usual fun ones, and you can take anything you want. But then right in the middle, just one single potato. So many kids will reach for it, and they'll be like, "What? Can I actually take this?" And I'll say, "Yeah," and they take it, and they laugh and they laugh, and they run back to their parents, who often are waiting like at the edge of the lawn. They send the kids up alone to try to, and they run back like lifting it above their heads like a trophy, and they yell, "I chose potato! I got a potato!" And the parents are like, "What the The heck's going on?" And other kids wish they could have it. And then I, I grab another potato and I put it in. This year, went through two full size sacks of potatoes. How many sacks of potatoes do you just have laying around in your house? Well, now that first year we ran out right away because we had like three potatoes, and so. They were all gone early. So now I go and I buy two full sacks of potatoes before Halloween. Halloween. Just like other families would buy candy to prepare for Halloween, I buy potatoes. You're like like at the store, I need potatoes for Halloween. Exactly. Where do you keep your Halloween potatoes? Halloween potatoes, yeah. (laughs) So I've been doing this for a few years. This year, uh, someone showed up and was like, oh, it's a potato house again. Great. And they took our potato and ran off laughing. And the internet being what the internet is, uh, I, I... took a photo of it and put it on Facebook. Like, hey, my annual potato thing. And I wrote a, a silly little paragraph about it and then ended it with the phrase, choose potato. For whatever reason, that caught on. And this year, it went semi-viral. And there were hundreds of thousands of shares and comments and re- blogs and retweets and re-whatevers um, across multiple social media platforms. Wow. Um, but you only posted it on Facebook. All I did was post it on Facebook. Just Friends put normal, it on Twitter. Other post, other groups post. picked yeah. it up and ran huh. with it. Yeah, so... Um, the reason I bring up all this nonsense. But hold on, I, hold on. I know you're gonna go in something like probably like very like more pastory. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you're gonna be clergy on us. Yeah. But I just want to enjoy the fact that you went viral. It's insane. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. And what you know some of the comments on the uh, that you got. I couldn't read them all, honestly. There were hundreds of thousands, so I didn't read them all. Wow. Um, many of them were simply a person who saw it and thought, "Oh, my friend Joe would like this," so they just tagged their friend in it. Did you like make tons of money going viral? I am going to retire tomorrow. <laughs> I just picture like going viral, you're good. Like you made all the money you now, need. Now, I, I made literally $0.00 and zero cents off of it. But I will admit, like sheepishly, that I Googled, how do you capitalize on a viral post? You know, yeah, and, and yeah. basically they're like, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, so, so, all right. Um, so you won a lot of internet points is what you're telling me. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, your typical bell curve. It started off like the next day. I was like, wow, this got 100 shares. That's kind of funny. Oh, well, you know, and then I moved on with my day. It came back the next day and it was 100,000. And I was like, what the heck? Wow. And bell curve, you know, it then swelled in the middle and drifted off at the end to the point where now it's gone. Nothing is happening with it now. Um, and no, you don't make any money off it. Although I did write and illustrate a children's book, which I'm self-publishing on Amazon uh, yeah. back about a year ago. Yeah. So I real quick 
put that in there in the comments uh, as my friend Caitlin encouraged me to do. It's called I Miss My Pack. Okay. Please do look it up. It would make a wonderful Christmas (laughs) gift or a Hanukkah present. Well, Hanukkah's coming up real soon, y'all, so FYI. It's Monday it begins? Sunday Sunday night. Sunday Sunday night, night. okay. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that You with your whole sundown calendar. Isn't there an Advent thing going on? Yeah, so the first day of Advent is Sunday. First day of Hanukkah is Sunday evening. It's like a first? Let's have a party, man, where no one can attend, but we could do it on Zoom. (laughs) An Advent Hanukkah party. It's not the first time. It happens like once every seven years or something. Is so, it really? Yeah. Every seven calendar years. being cyclical. What a fun as number. It is. Seven. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, it can't happen every. Like our calendar is not cyclical. Oh, it is it to is. us. It, it is. is to us. So once every however many years, those cycles they line up. Again. They line up in the same way. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Cool. Anyhow. Anyhow, you got. Oh wait, right. You're gonna give us some kind of like the whole potato thing is weird, message. and it's not a pastoral message. It's a shared frustration that I think you probably would have, okay. which is. So the internet phrase is content creator. Yes. Like we create content on a weekly basis minimum. We, you when and you say I. say we, you're talking about me. You and I'm me. a content creator? You write a sermon every week, right? I do, yeah. Every single week you're creating content for your social network within your congregation. Sure. So every single week I do the same in my church. And I'm, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when you say content creator, I'm thinking of some cool guy in an amazing chair right. you know, <laughs> playing a video game. I never thought of the chair aspect. Yeah, but yeah it always could be. in really cool chairs. Yeah. And they're just, just dominating a video game. And I'm, my jaw's dropping because I can't ever be that good. So within game. gaming, that's one context. Yeah. YouTube context, <laughs> content creators could be just they have a regular uh, thing like the slow-mo guys where they really record various oh, things so much. They're great. fun, right? You know what I listen to a lot on YouTube? Huh. ASMR. I love ASMR. How funny. We'll talk about that another Sorry, time. Sorry. That's also <laughs> weird and interesting. But like, stay on topic. But who would have guessed... Uh, uh, you know, 50 years ago that that would be a thing that like, like smacking your lips into the camera w- w- would oh, be. Oh, I hate uh, that kind of ASMR. Okay. <laughs> or, or a spoon on Tupperware. That's there a nice go. sound, right? There, now you're talking. <laughs> uh, so content creating can take any sorts of thing, any sort of form. It can be on Instagram with photos and drawings, right? It yeah, can it yeah. just be purely visual. Uh, TikTok has become its own little subcategory. Yeah, so sure. you and I create content every single week. Some of it in our sermon. I happen to do quite a bit online, whether it's through Facebook posts or I'm just a fledgling TikTok creator at this point. But we create a lot of things. And some of it we publish in the newspaper. And some of it we do in public meetings where we give testimony on a public event. And there are so many of the things I've written that I feel quite proud of. Yeah. And so many of my sermons that I think I took an ancient text that was written at least 4,000 years ago. Uh-huh. And I found a new spin of how it might apply to our life today. And I'm really proud of it. And 10 people say, thanks. And then I do some bullshit with a potato and a million people see it. And I'm pulling my hair out. <laughs> Saying, why is this the thing you notice? You could have at least like made my awesome looking dogs go viral. I love them more than the potato, but no, it's the potato. And so that's like the thing that gets traction and gets seen by a million pairs of eyes. Whereas the thing that I wrote that I care about is a, is such a small and limited audience. So that's a frustration within, within the realm of clergy. We know that we're supposed to be humble mm-hmm. and we're supposed to not seek fame. But within that, we also care that the message that we've been entrusted with is spoken and proclamation is a big part of the Christian tradition. I don't know how much that falls into yours, but I don't really know what, what proclamation. Speak the truth, you know. Go tell the people what's going yeah. on. Um, how often God sent? You know, you mentioned Isaiah before. So much of it is God saying to uh, Isaiah, "Go tell my people this. Go tell them that." Moses, same kind of thing. You, 
God called Moses to the mountaintop, but he didn't keep him there. He said, write this stuff down. Go tell everybody. Go <laughs> tell Pharaoh this and this and this. Sure, you know, sure. it's, it's always saying, go share this with the people. And so part of our job then is to say, who are these people and how can we make sure that I'm being faithful with this message to get it out there? And, and so there's, there's an unhealthy side to wanting your voice to be heard, right? There's a side of it that's pure arrogance. Sure. And there's a side of it that's purely just the trivial fun of fame. I imagine you and I know a few clergy who are like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's a podcast out right now called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which talks about a man who seeks fame for the sake of his own arrogance and mm-hmm. probably a lot just for the fun of it. Because Honestly, the potato thing was tons of fun. It was really silly and fun and ridiculous. And so that can become a drug. They're like more, more, more. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I've written things in the past that say, for example, God loves gay people, right? Simple message. And I'm more, you know, I I speak more to it. But I would love it if that got on to these more of a viral thing to, to not only to speak that truth, but also to counteract the lie that God does not. Yeah, you know, and so so there's a frustration with the the mercurial nature of the internet that it's like, oh, all right, the it's like, potato you, thing. So like, goes. I know like a lot of people and clergy uh, with. I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing the term proclamation. Us okay. Jews argue a lot. So That's I guess, funny. I guess, I guess we don't really have a have you know we argue too much to have like a proclamation. <laughs> right, and you never know what's going to be jargon. I didn't realize yeah. proclamation would be such a Christian. Limited context. So, okay. yeah, sorry, yeah. go on. Go on. Yeah. Though, what you're saying. Um, but you, I, I imagine there are clergy out there who are well-meaning who are just trying to chase that viral message. Yes. And maybe spend so much time trying to be viral mm-hmm. with their good message. That they, Absolutely. That they lose something else too. Like you right. never, like I don't know. Like what's what's the what's the trade-off of trying to tailor right. a message that goes viral? And the funny thing is, just, yeah, uh, yeah. And you hear the same argument going on back in the 1940s and 50s and 60s about, well, should there be a microphone in church? Mm-hmm. That just seems too showy to have a microphone in the pulpit really? like a, and speakers. Yeah, to a microphone because you know part of the artistry of preaching is to, uh, is yeah. to be heard and to project and all that. But also then a microphone. Well, that's what those rock and rollers use, you know, and that's Hollywood oh, showbiz. Interesting. Like, who do you think you are? Um, and so, and so, along those same lines, I would say TikTok is today's most recent microphone. And okay. a lot of pastors are on there. In fact, there's its own hashtag, hashtag of pastor talk, and there's you know millions on there. And wow. so all it is is just a new microphone. It's just a new television station. I mean, churches started going on the radio way back early on in the days of radio. This is just the new radio station. Um, but it becomes then when do you switch from saying we're doing a thing that we believe is faithful and we're going to do our best to make it heard, and when do you make the switch to say, I need to be heard, and therefore I'm going to change my message to be one that's heard better. Well, it's funny because you and I we're creating a podcast right now. Exactly. You no, know, we're yeah. like, we're playing this game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. Because like, podcasts again, they're a new a new microphone within the last decade or two. Yeah. And would it be faithful to ignore it, or would it be fool, foolish to ignore it? I think it'd be foolish. To, to ignore a new way of talking with people. I would love it if our podcast got viral somehow. Went viral somehow. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We need to be more uh, controversial. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> that's that's how it works. Oh, well. Did you know that God hates everybody named <laughs> It's absolutely true. Everyone, if you're named and <laughs> stop listening now because I hate you too. You know what would be really funny if we bleep the word <laughs> <laughs> Please do. 
we'll yeah, bleep the name. Now everyone's gonna wait a minute. Am I the bad guy here? <laughs> See what happens. Anyways, uh, oh wait, a better one though. God loves dogs and hates cats. Whoa, I have a cat. We're gonna go viral now. You know what? Your cat actually, sucks. I, cat. I, I hate cat. your cat. Actually, I have a cat, and I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know who loved cats? Pharaoh. <laughs> yes. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so. The Egyptians worshipped cats. God smote the Egyptians. Case closed. Did, but did God do much Egyptians? They, they kind of continued. They kind of carried That's on. That's true. <laughs> They're like, all right, firstborn sons are gone. But yeah, we're all right. We're going to keep on trucking. Yeah, yeah, they kept on trucking. <laughs> so. We keep on Etruscan. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anyways, I think that's. Uh, I think that's our time. I think. I think yeah. Next time we're going to talk about ADHD <laughs> and how it impacts our clergy life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyways, uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. We're in holiday yeah. season. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and then, um, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, first of all, some thank yous, right? Yes. Uh, thank you to the Mitchell Brothers for their intro and outro, and thank you to uh, the award-winning the award-winning James Brown. James Brown, who won an award for our podcast. So. He's done all the heavy lifting, and we're going to take all the credit for the award. Uh, but thank you, James, for that amazing lo- uh, logo that you made for us. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, uh, where can you? Where can we see you in action, Matt? Um, MyPotato.com. No way. No, not really. Oh, my no. gosh. Uh, you can Google First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage, Alaska, and you'll get bunches of options. Okay. Just choose one. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. or just look up Matt Schultz on Facebook, and don't choose the guy who's the lead singer of Cage the Elephant, although he's pretty cool. Wait, the lead singer of Cage the Elephant is named Matt Schultz? Yes. I have yeah. no idea. Isn't that funny? I like that band. Yeah, they're really, really good. Oh, man. Yeah. That is awesome. I'll never be the most famous <laughs> Matt Schultz, so I can quit chasing fame now. Oh, wow. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and then if you want to see me, I'm at on, I'm on YouTube at Alaska Judy. Judaism Media. Um, that's where you can find uh, my, my channel. All right. Well, everyone, thank you if you've gotten this far. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Yep. Take care.